Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. This is episode 243 of the Sports Yak podcast. Oh, you mean the Juan Marichal episode? Juan Marichal. Marichal. The Dominican Dandy. 243 career <laughs> wins for the first Latino pitcher ever inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. San Francisco Giants pitcher had this tremendously high leg kick that it was fun to try to imitate when you were a kid. Yeah. Don't try to imitate it now. You'll hurt yourself. <laughs> but You'll wah. pull your Dominican dandy. hey I'm sorry. That was uncalled for. We may have to edit <laughs> this episode of The Yak. Now I want to see it. I want to see this kick of his leg. Who's got the, while I'm looking this up, who's got the strangest pitch in baseball of all time, oh. according to you? Just like, what in the world? Uh, Louis Tiant was pretty weird. He would turn his back on the batter. Uh, Fernando Valenzuela would do some some weird stuff with the eye roll. The eye roll? Oh, yeah. wow. But uh, look up uh, Juan Marichal. Look, look at that leg kick. Right there. Oh, this is how it. how he's how the hand is almost all the way back touching the ground. Wow. His leg is up all the way to his waist, and then he's gonna bring that forward. Here we go. Oh, there it is right there. Yeah. I think he was pitching to the sweet swinger Billy Williams right there. Wow. That is I mean, he's almost falling over. Yeah. They have to slow that down. Oh, here we go. And they do. Oh all the way up man. by his head that time. <laughs> All the way up by his head. Wow. Yeah. He's touching his leg with his mitt. Yeah. And then that time, just to cross you up a little bit. Mm. Wow. But a fun pitcher to watch and obviously very successful 243 career wins. Rightfully so. Now, that was a good one today. That's that's good one. He was a Dominican dandy. Yes. Yes, he was. All right, let's get after it. Sports Yak, LeBron James texting his teammates. That must be an interesting group text. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't you be curious to see how that group text typically goes? The back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yesterday, LeBron apparently wakes up from his nap and texts his teammates two words, must win. Now, you might say, well, why was last night a must-win? Lakers were up in the series two games to one. But I think for LeBron, it's it's the understanding that if you let the Heat back into the series, you let them tie it up at two, especially with players that are kind of banged up right now with Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo still out with injuries. You let Jimmy Butler and the Heat tie it up at 2-2 and then maybe get those players back, all of a sudden... They're smelling some blood in the water, and they they come out rejuvenated. You put them down 3-1, 
and now that he'd have to beat the Lakers three straight times, highly doubtful that that happens. So that's why LeBron comes out and says must win. And then, it, you know, the thing about LeBron is it's not like he's putting pressure on his teammates. He's just letting them into the mindset that he has going into this game. Yeah, come along for the ride. Right, which is basically what it was because I think he had 28 points, 10 assists, and 8 rebounds. And the Lakers rally in the fourth quarter to beat the Heat 102-96. to And so now they've got a three-games-to-one lead. On the precipice of LeBron's fourth title, and for the Lakers, it would be their 17th in franchise history, which would tie the Boston Celtics for most ever. Follow-up question. Why a 9 o'clock tip-off? West Coast. The West Coast people, it's 6 o'clock out there. That's why. They're trying to they're trying to engage all four time zones. Mm-hmm. And especially because you've got the Lakers, a California team, playing in it. You don't want to start it before people get home from work. But with as much love as that fan base gives, I think any time of the day, they would have bent over backwards to watch it. Probably, but you're trying to make sure that the American economy can still go with that (laughs) 8 to 5 work day. Oh, just an hour sooner would have been so much helpful. Oh, yeah, Ugh. no question. Nine o'clock, my goodness. Let's switch over real quick to the uh, WNBA. Well, it's all over now. The Seattle Storm uh, eliminates Vegas in three straight. The Storm with Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird, that UConn combo kind of leading the way, and then Jewel Lloyd chiming in with 19 points last night. Brianna Stewart was the finals MVP. I think of the last... I think I read somewhere of the last eight years that Brianna Stewart has played basketball, whether it's at the college or the professional level, she has won titles in six of those years. Wow. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And then Jewel Lloyd, after the game, uh, became a little bit emotional talking with Holly Rowe, talking about how she was dedicating the championship to Kobe and Gianna Bryant and... You know, talking about the influence that Kobe had had on her. He had worked out with her a couple of times and gave her the nickname Gold Mamba. And just talking about the influence and, of course, the influence of Kobe Bryant, obviously on the Lakers in the NBA Finals. And you know that that team wants to win in his memory, in his honor. And it was interesting to hear Jewel Lloyd's thoughts last night. Of course, Kobe... Huge advocate of women's basketball. We we saw him at those Notre Dame-UConn games in the past. Big fan of the Huskies, but also appreciated and reached out to Arika Egombawale after she hit the shot that beat UConn in the uh, Final Four and then also wound up hitting the, the game-winning shot in the national championship game in 2018. So huge advocate for the sport and his... His loss being remembered by just about everybody in basketball this season. I think it's great that young girls have more heroes and players to look at in 2020 than they did when you and I were in high school. I saw a young girl practicing with nine young men last night, Mm -hmm. working on her craft, 
And uh, one girl, nine boys. And, man, she was hustling. Well, that's what Skyler used to do. Yeah. When, when she would play over at the Charles Black Center is is she would play with the guys because that's how she got better. Yeah. So, yeah, lots of opportunities for women and young girls. Of course, college basketball season, Corey, we're just seven weeks away from college basketball season starting. It would be nice if they got schedules out. That would be a that would be a plus right now. No pressure on Notre Dame, Purdue, or IU, but it'd be nice to know who's playing when. That'd be a good thing. Yeah. But my sources tell me that we're a long way from that coming out. Really? Yeah. Season seven weeks away. We still don't know who teams are playing on opening day. Is it going to be like how college football is working where Notre Dame is only playing an ACC schedule? No. Or they're trying to figure out... They're trying to... And that's part of the problem. For instance, uh, Army has a player from St. Joe High School named Mark Madden, who is one of their captains this year. And Notre Dame had arranged for Army to come play here at Purcell Pavilion on November 11th, Veterans Day. Perfect timing. Kid gets to come back, play in his hometown. Nice event. Well, college basketball season's not starting until two weeks later. So what happens with that game? Can that game still be played? Where do you work that in? There's a lot of logistical problems that have cropped up, obviously because of COVID, with the delayed start of the college basketball season. So we're going to have to see how all these things sort out. A lot of the big tournaments, like the Maui Invitational, it's not being played in Maui this year. It's being played in Asheville, North Carolina. But still called the Maui But Invitational. still called the Maui Invitational. Okay. So we know that Indiana will play Providence in that, but we don't know the exact timing of this. So all of these things have to be worked out. Here's another thing, the Crossroads Classic that's played down in Indianapolis every year. Notre Dame, IU, Purdue, and Butler. Very fun event. All get together. Well, there's no fans allowed in the seats. Do you still play that? Is Does it make sense to play that if you can't have fans there? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, from a, from a television perspective in Indiana... Yeah, it'd be fun to watch these teams play. But is that the best use of of resources right now? It's a shot in the arm for Indianapolis. Hotels, restaurants, tourism. But but it's not a shot in the arm if you can't have fans. Can't have fans there. Yeah. So all these things still being worked out. So when we talk about basketball, and my mind drifts to basketball and college basketball, high school basketball will be starting up around the same time. And high school basketball is more firm and the schedules are out and things like that. And we're working on piecing together our TV 46 basketball schedule. But there's still question, well, how many fans are going to be allowed to go to games? Because unlike football where you're outdoors and you can maybe have some more people, you're indoors for basketball and within the confines of all that, how many people will be allowed in? Interesting. Yeah. You want to talk about high school football as you get closer to the weekend? Love talking about high school football. Spent the day yesterday over at Concord and Northridge. That's our 46th game of the week. 
So went to both facilities. Northridge has this brand new stadium. This athletic complex that they build over at Northridge is spectacular. Uh, they upgraded every one of their outdoor facilities for the fall and for the spring. They've got a brand new track around the football field, a new field turf field, brand new stadium. Then they've got a baseball and softball complex off of that. Both of those have turf fields and uh, got a chance to tour around. So we'll try to show off those digs for the Northridge people Friday night. Should be a very interesting game. Uh, Northridge has played six games so far. They're five and one. They've won four of those games by shutouts. They'll face a Concord team that's known for throwing the ball all over the lot. They run a spread offense, and they have a very physical defense as well. So it should be a, a very hard-nosed matchup, I think, Friday night. But when we look at the polls this week, Elkhart is up to number five in Class 6A. Marion's at number two in Class 3A. They go head-to-head Friday night over at Rice Field. So that should be a great matchup for fans to go to. Then in 5A, you've got Valparaiso at number two. And you've got Michigan City at number seven. Northridge, the team will see Friday night number 10 in the AP poll, number eight in the coaches poll. So they're starting to finally get some recognition. And then you go down to 1A, you've got North Judson at number 9. North Judson has a tough game on Friday night. They have to go to LaVille and play a Lancer team that just came off an emotional win over John Glenn on Friday night. LaVille lost its starting quarterback, Aiden Doyle, at the beginning of the year. They've got a freshman by the name of Lucas Plummer who led them to a comeback victory last week. This kid is playing with a lot of poise. Can North Judson rattle him a little bit and maybe pull off a win on the road at Lancer Field on Friday night? I don't know if you'll know the answer to this. I don't know a lot about Middlebury, but is there is there money in that area, or did uh, somebody step up and help that school out? Well, Interra Credit Union is the title sponsor of the field. Okay. It's Interra Field. They happen to be our scoreboard sponsor on the game of the week as well. So... It is uh, in Terra Field at Raiders Stadium. Or, yes, in Terra Field at Raiders Stadium is what they call it. Okay. Can't wait to see that. Let's segue into baseball, Chuck Freebie. Well, the National League playoffs got underway yesterday. There is some bad blood between the Braves and Marlins. There always has been. I think it's sitting right there on that Florida-Georgia line that those two teams don't like each other. And Ronald Acuna Jr. was plunked yesterday, and went to have a discussion with the pitcher, and the benches emptied. And the Braves came from behind to beat the Marlins yesterday by a count of 9-5, to five. so they take a one nothing lead in that divisional series. Meanwhile, out west, the Dodger bats laid dormant for the first six innings, and then they rallied late and beat the Padres by a count of 5-1, to one. so L.A. takes a one nothing lead in the other National League Divisional Series. The American League is a day ahead, so they're at Game 2 yesterday. And the Astros continue to swing the good bats, uh, despite not having a trash can banging. George Springer, who I had the chance to see play many times in college, he was a college star at Connecticut, and he's become a major league star. And he had two home runs yesterday for the Astros as they beat the A's by a count of 5-2. to two. And then the Rays came back and beat the Yankees by a count of 7-5. to five. So that series is all even at a game apiece. And we'll see how these sort out as we go through October. 
are you watching anybody? Or, I mean, has it fizzled since uh, Chicago teams are out of the... Well, it has fizzled for me somewhat. Now, I caught a little bit of the two American League games yesterday. Since I was on the road during the afternoon, didn't really stay up to date much on the National League games. Mm -hmm. But then I came home, caught the end of the Astros' A's game, and caught the beginning of the Yankees-Rays game. But um, it it doesn't hold the interest. And I'll be honest with you. These games go too long. Baseball's got a pace of play problem right now. It used to be you could watch a Major League Baseball game when we were growing up, Corey, in two and a half hours. And now they're three and a half, four hours long. TV's got a little bit of something to do with that. But it's also, they need to put a pitch clock in. They really do. They need to, hey, let's let's get going here. We don't have to do all this fidgeting out there on the mound and have 23 different signals and have everybody looking at their wristband and their scouting reports that they pull out. Let's go. Let's play. Okay. Come on. Move it. <laughs> I'd love to see you in that meeting. How do we speed this up? Uh, Chuck Freebie from Indiana. Go ahead. Yeah. I've got <laughs> ideas. <laughs> Let's start with pitching. You want to give a shout-out to these local high school teams? What do you want to do? Well, we can do that because it's it's a very active couple of weeks here for high schools. You get into a lot of tournament play right now. We've got the boys and girls soccer sectionals going on this week. Heck of a game Monday night over at Penn where Northridge got a penalty kick from Micah Weiland with 49 seconds left and beat Penn by a count of 2-1. to If you look at that boys soccer sectional over at Penn, you've got... Northridge is ranked number eight, or excuse me, they're ranked number five. Penn is ranked number 14. Elkhart is ranked number 10. Elkhart will play Northridge tonight. So a lot of exciting soccer being played there on the boys' side. Girls' soccer sectionals began last night. No major upsets in the first round. Then you've got the tennis regionals going on this week. So the winners yesterday, Penn and St. Joe over at LaPorte. Congratulations to Penn tennis coach Eric Bowers. He wins his 400th career match. Nice. But they'll have to square off with the St. Joe team that beat Penn during the regular season tonight. Steve Bender, the veteran coach there at St. Joe, always has a strong squad. Bremen has the challenge of playing Culver Academy tonight. Uh, That might be a little more than the Lions can handle in that one. Culver Academy, a traditional tennis power in these parts. And then Concord and Westview. That should be a very interesting match over in Dunlap. Uh, I like Concord just playing in their home facility. Westview ran the table in the Northeast Corner Conference. We'll see how they do against a strong team from the Northern Lakes Conference tonight. So those are tennis regional matchups that we have going on. And then a couple of volleyball teams clinched conference titles last night. Penn ran the gauntlet in the NIC. A lot of people expect them to get into what should be a very strong Laporte Regional. So the Kingsmen uh, made short work of New Prairie, a good New Prairie team last night, and they beat them in straight games. And then Lakeland wins its first conference volleyball title since 1999 last night as they finished an undefeated season in the Northeast Corner Conference. So congratulations to all those prep teams. I'm going to grab the steering wheel and slightly turn it to the left. Nothing that you wouldn't be surprised by, but I have a question for you. You go ahead. Let's take off the sportscaster hat and let's put on the dad hat for a brief moment. 
My son's going to be trying out for basketball starting tonight. It's a three-night elimination, and I am in the back of my mind trying to put together how you speak to a young person if they don't make the team. And I've been through this twice before and feel like I've failed them on the right words to say. What advice would you give someone like me in case that does happen. Now, I do believe in the best. He's put in a ton of work since last year, but I'm just afraid I'm going to need to have some sort of talk with him. Sure. Well, I I went through this to a certain extent with a young lady that tried to make the varsity soccer team and didn't do it until her senior year. And all you can say is, did you do the best you could do? Did, did you, in those days of tryouts, do your best? And up until tryouts, how much work did you put in? Did you do your best? I know in your son's case, you know, he's had some one-on-one basketball sessions and things like that. But between those one-on-one basketball sessions, what did he do to try to improve his skills? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it... It comes down to a question of how important is it to you? How much time would you invest? Let me let me share a story with you that I referred to in my sports guest this morning. Oh, okay. We had Braden Lindsay from the Notre Dame football team was one of the players that the media got to talk to last night. And it's been well established that Braden Lindsay has a personal connection with Kobe Bryant. Again, bringing you back to the beginning of the show. So his dad worked for Nike, and he wound up having access. And, and Kobe, being the kind of guy he, he was, when he would see the kids of these guys that he worked with and found out that they were in sports, he'd ask, well, you know, do you do this and do you do that? And one of the things he asked Braden Lindsay was, you know, he found out Braden Lindsay wanted to go into football. He goes, well, recovery is very important. Do you take ice baths? And Braden Lindsay goes, no, I don't take ice baths. I don't like them. And and Kobe says, you know, my daughter, Gigi, she takes ice baths after every workout, after every game. He goes, are you sure you don't want to take ice baths? And Braden's like, yeah, I, I, I really don't like them. And Kobe goes, that's cool. Not everybody wants to be great. <laughs> Just tell it like it is. Yeah. And I and I mean that's the thing. You have to ask, okay, how much you may have you may think that you've invested a lot. Yes. How much did you really invest? Mm-hmm. Did you work on it every day? How much how did you go about working on it? Did you just go out and shoot random shots at at the hoop? Or did you really work on skills? Did you work on your ball handling? Did you work on moves that you thought you would want to use, etc.? When when you worked with the personal trainer, how much of that did you bring home and actually do mm-hmm. seven days a week? And, and those are the kind of discussions that need to be had because if he doesn't make it, it's likely because First of all, basketball team is tough to make anyway. There's 12, maybe 15 guys on the team. Yep. Goes to a big school. Goes to a big we'll, school. We'll go to an even bigger high school right? <laughs> in a year. But 
the fact of the matter is that you have to understand that those 15 people may have just worked harder yeah. at it than you did. And, and that's okay. It's not for everybody. But if it's really that important to you, then you have to show that it's that important to you by working at it every day. For instance, in your craft, you know, we get a couple days off on the weekends and everything. But if you're gone for vacation for a week or so, I bet you the first day that you come back, I know it's the case for me, you're a little rusty. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe you don't hit the buttons just right. Maybe the words don't come out just right. But we practice what we do. You know, I go to practices to get ready for the game of the week and take copious notes and look up things that I may never use, but I need to have them in case I need them. Yeah. You do the same in preparation for a show. It's not just about the time that you're on. It's all the things that you have to do. And when you look at the great ones like Kobe and Michael and even the not-so-great ones, the amount of time that they have to invest in their career. Now, it's because they love it. If he doesn't love it, then maybe he shouldn't do it. Yeah. I kept uh, toying around with this other podcast that I do. Like, I'd love to walk into it being completely unprepared. But then the professional side of me goes, are you out of your mind? Well, that's the alleged Larry King story. The alleged... The allegation of Larry King is he does no preparation for his interviews whatsoever. And he just asks the questions after listening to answers and things like that. Really? That's that's the story he'd like you to believe. Yeah. I don't believe it. Never mind the earpiece of somebody maybe feeding him some stuff. Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I think we've covered the gamut in sports. But I know that you... Uh, were definitely touched yesterday. And I I think anybody who grew up when we did Mm -hmm. was touched somewhat by the death of Eddie Van Halen yesterday. So first of all, I want to ask you as we go into the pop culture part of the show, which sometimes we ignore, but I think today is certainly worth exploring, uh, why Eddie Van Halen had such a big impact on you. I was thinking about that last night, and... I could tie this back into sports. Why did we love watching Michael so much? Because he was so freaking good. Yeah. Eddie was that way. There's a ton of guitar players in the world. There's a good, a ton of rock stars. But when you watched him play, you saw things that no one else was doing. And you could tell he loved what he did. There was a, and you saw it on some of the footage this morning, that smile of him doing what he was doing, it was uh, magnetic when you'd go see them live. Mm-hmm. Like you would go out of your way to go, we need to sit on the right side of the stage. That's always the side he is on. If you can get on that side to watch the guy do his craft. So there was that. It was just the music and then him watching him do what he did. It was amazing. All the way up until... I saw him eight years ago. That was the last time I saw him. And he was still fantastic, still better than most, you know? Jump was their only number one song. Only one. And and it's the one that I think most people remember, and especially if you're a Cub fan, you remember it, because in 84, when the Cubs finally got 
good for a change. That was the song that they would play when the Cubs ran out of the dugout and raced onto Wrigley Field, and they'd get a standing ovation from that crowd. And as soon as you heard the first couple notes of that song, yeah, you just you got fired up as a Cub fan. Did I see a Rick Sutcliffe tweet last night? You probably did because he was part of that 84 team. And he said, man, when that thing kicked in, and he's like, wow, this is cool. Yeah. (laughs) And and really, that was kind of the first time that I ever remember that happening for a team. Now, it might have happened for other teams in other cities. Yeah. But the one that we followed. The one that we followed, that was kind of the first time where it's like, Wow, this is this is our thing. This yeah. is our gig. And so that's the most I think for most people the most memorable Van Halen song. But mm-hmm. what was your favorite Van Halen song? Oh, Chuck. It's like asking you which one's your favorite kid. No, it's not because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll say this. I love the first record. I don't know if there is a better example of a rock band coming out of the gate with something that good. Boston, maybe? Yeah. Zeppelin, maybe? But Van Halen won from beginning to end is just... And the and he was 20! That's the amazing thing about it. You know, he was... Tie this back into what you and I were just talking about. He didn't get along in school. He was from another country. Didn't speak the language. And he sat in his room and twiddled on that guitar while his brother's in the other room twiddling on the drums. And you come out of that room at 17 years old and you're doing things that no one's ever seen. Well, it's like, look at the work he put into it. Right. So that first record's my favorite. Now, you know, the the classic debate of Dave and Sammy, I go back and forth all the time. I leaned Sammy for a long time and I saw them the most with him. But uh, I do I do love both. Favorite song though? That's dude. That's a tough one. So the question I very tough. The question I was going to ask you in the other studio this morning, but mm-hmm. save for this show. Oh, look at you! With the death of Eddie Van Halen, mm-hmm. who is the greatest living guitarist now? Yeah. <sighs> wow! 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 Who can still? Well, boy. It would have to be a toss-up between Eric Clapton. That was the name that came to my mind. Or John Mayer. Okay. One of those two, like a throwdown. But we haven't heard from Eric Clapton in a while, so I really don't know where he's at. But John Mayer is pretty... I mean, I'm going on body of work. Body of work. Eric. Eric Clapton. Because... Jimmy Page? Well... Jimmy Page, uh, and ACDC's getting ready to release a record in three weeks. That guy can still, you know. I mean, there's nothing like a great guitar riff oh. in a song. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many. <laughs> there's so many. And that's what you do. When, did you ever toy with a guitar when you were younger? Any, You know, I plucked some strings. You learned, I, you yeah. learned Smoke on the Water. Well, that's the first song. You know, that, yeah. You you tried to learn "Walk This Way." You try you tried to learn something from Van Halen that was embarrassing, uh, or a, or a Led Zeppelin, like a Black Dog, or you know, or Stairway to Heaven, whatever. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Let me end with this. 
last night, uh, my son is in a one-on-one training session, and I've got my uh, beats on, and I'm doing a deep dive on Van Halen songs. And uh, and he knows my love for them, so he heard them on the way there. I was in the mm-hmm. car listening. and So I've got a bunch of songs playing. But this song came on, and it caught me so off guard, and I thought, what a great rock and jock kind of moment because it kind of sums up that yep. right here, right now, mm-hmm. it is time to bring your A game. You know, a coming out of the tunnel, yeah, starting lineup. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, there were many teams that played this for their starting lineups. Good day. Yeah. Of course, the Bulls fell in love with Alan Parsons' project. <laughs> it worked for them. It did. But neither you or I are reaching for that album anytime. No. <laughs> no. Nobody goes back and says, hey, what's your favorite Alan Parsons project song? <laughs> there was a project? They're not talking about that on any podcast today. Didn't my dad used to do construction work with an Alan Parsons? <laughs> that Wasn't he on Big Bang Theory? Oh, no, that was Jim, Jim Parsons. Parsons. You're on Twitter, aren't you, Chuck? Yeah, I have 46 sports. My name is Corey. That's my Twitter handle. This little podcast has a Twitter. It's Sports Yak with two Ks. Absolutely. Talk to you on Friday. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Luga Juan Marichal. You Dominican dandy, you. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.